Welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, episode number four. My name is Crystal and I'm the creator of The Gentle Counselor. I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. In today's episode, we have a special guest, Jamie Hawkins from This Is What I Doula. And she's joining me today to talk about birth trauma. So welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, Jamie. Hi, how are you going? Good. So Jamie, you are a wife, a stepmom, a mom, a doula, and a hypnobirthing practitioner. So you've got a lot of titles there. And I can tell, I follow you online and I can just see how extremely passionate you are about enabling women to have a positive birth and postpartum experience. Um, And I know one of the things you're really passionate about is to do this to make sure to prevent things like the likelihood of trauma illnesses. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. I'm glad that comes through. Um, Yeah, I am. I'm, you know, one in three women are suffering from birth trauma, which is so huge. It's such an enormous number. And only very recently are people actually starting to talk about it and accept birth trauma as something that exists. So I think that, you know, it definitely needs to be spoken about more. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's finally a shift or at least where women are starting to feel brave enough to talk out about their experiences and start demanding better care. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody kind of thinks that because we live in such a privileged country that things like this don't happen. Um, But yeah, those stats are Australian. One in three women are suffering, are leaving their birth um, with birth trauma. And um, it's something like one in eight or one in 10 are leaving with PTSD. So yeah, those are some really disappointing statistics. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. So can you tell me a bit about uh, what does mental health and wellbeing mean to you? Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it's being capable of um, kind of dealing with everyday life um, without feeling that overwhelming burden. And I mean, we're allowed to have all the feelings. We're allowed to be angry and we're allowed to be sad and we're allowed to be, you know, obviously happy. Um, But recognizing when those things uh, get to that overwhelming breaking point um, is when we need to kind of reach out and and see what we can do to help ourselves rather than kind of just uh, accepting it as a new normal. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just that, that overwhelming feeling that I feel is the, the kind of tipping edge. Yes. And especially when you've gone through something so raw and real, like giving birth, I just cannot even believe how high those statistics of trauma, let alone PTSD, there is. Um, Is there anything else that concerns you about this? The concern that I have is that um, it's kind of still, I know that people are talking about it more, but it's still looking at, online forums, um, even news um, reports about it uh, and the comments that that I'm seeing from other women um, basically saying that you should be thankful. You should be 
thankful that your baby is alive and that's our like that's our yardstick that we're surviving so it concerns me that people are accepting that and then women are reading those things and saying oh well my baby's healthy and I'm alive so I guess I should be thanking the care provider I think I should is that really the standard that we want to set for ourselves? Exactly right. Do we want to survive or do we want to thrive? Like that's really the question that we have to be asking. And if women are leaving, one in three women are leaving feeling traumatized, there's something else happening. There's something going wrong. Can you tell me a bit more about your own mental health journey? Yeah, so um, I, I, growing up um, in my teen years and, you know, my early 20s, I, I've never suffered with any kind of mental health um, issues um, until I fell pregnant um, and I had my own very traumatic uh, experience with the um, NT scan where they um, look for a chromosomal abnormalities down syndrome usually is the one that people kind of um pick up on the most but so um my sonographer actually it's a long story but my sonographer actually um couldn't be bothered to spend the time to actually look at everything that she needed to look at um and instead of looking for a nasal bone um she just wrote on her report that it wasn't present um which kind of spiraled everything um you know i i saw a gp that i don't usually see because it was a saturday and she literally said to me you can go and have an abortion today um i actually wish that we were recording this because my facial expressions as you're telling me the story i cannot believe that you went through this yeah so um it she, she literally said to me that having a child with Down syndrome would ruin my life, um, that it would be selfish of me to continue my pregnancy knowing how high risk I was for all three trisomies. Um, and keeping in mind that this is a risk factor, this isn't a diagnosis, this is just telling me that I have a very high risk of these things. Um, and she was writing me a referral to go to the hospital to get a termination and saying to me, don't worry, you won't have to pay because um, it's a medical reason. So I'm just going to write you a referral. You can have an abortion today. That is and, so upsetting. Um, and I had no idea what I was walking into. So like my husband was still at work. I was by myself, um, my first pregnancy. Um, and I basically had, I was in there for 20 minutes you know, basically begging for an obstetrician or a genetic counsellor referral, um, which thankfully I knew about these things. Thankfully mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I listened to that gut feeling. I was like, no, this isn't right. Um, but then I had to wait five days to speak to an obstetrician. Um, and it was, a, as you can imagine, it was a really tough five days. Yeah. Um, and when I ended up speaking to him, he was like, uh, you know, I'm going to do the scan again. He saw the nasal bone. He redid the risk factor and it was even less than my, you know, expected risk factor. So it was, you know, it was so, so low. Um, I went on to do the um, Harmony test, the NIPT test as well, just to confirm for my own um, sanity, I guess. Um, 
and things kind of went from there and I developed, um, well, they don't really know what it is. A, a social worker told me that it was a form of PICA, um, but also a form of OCD. So um, I had a really overwhelming urge and it's, it sounds funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time, but I had a very overwhelming urge um, to smell uh, this particular um, men's body soap. Mm-hmm. And I would have like bottles of it with me. Like I would have a bottle in every room and I would literally just sit on the couch and smell this, this scent. And I would take it out with me if I was leaving. Like it was, it was pretty intense. Um, but nobody really thought anything of it. They're like, oh, I, you know, it'll probably finish, you know, these things finish once you have your baby, which it did. I, I you know, I still love the smell of it, but it's not an obsession anymore. <laughs> it was obviously just some sort of a coping mechanism that you had during that time yeah so um but when I had my baby um I didn't get any of the the, uh, baby blues or anything like that uh which I was really surprised about um um yeah so I didn't have any of the baby blues I um but then I developed uh what I know now to be postnatal anxiety um, which I had no idea even existed. Um, I knew about personal depression, but I didn't know about anxiety. I'd never suffered anxiety before. And everybody kept telling me that it was just normal um, to feel worried mm-hmm. about the baby and about everything. But it was, it was a very overwhelming, once again, that word, that overwhelming. Um, yes, and almost all-consuming. Oh, absolutely consuming and the thoughts the morbid thoughts that I'd, I'd never thought in my whole life um you know I was thinking about death all the time um you know about my son dying about me dying about every time my husband would leave the house was he going to come back um and you know it would get in, into thoughts like planning funerals like it was it was these deep morbid thoughts like what would I say at my husband's funeral it's Sorry. a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. Feel all the feelings. It's so hard to talk about sometimes. But it's yes, important but- because I also did not know about yeah. personal anxiety. Like people had mentioned, um, the healthcare professionals had mentioned the depression side of things. But that, yeah. I think that's only because I had to mark all my forms that I already had a history of depression. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't even know if it would have been mentioned. And I still feel like it's taken until now after I've had it and I still get inklings. Like my husband just now took the kids out and I still had that brief thought about what if they all gone to a car crash? Yeah. I still think the same thing. Uh, you know, my son's outside with some, like he's not outside by himself. He's outside with somebody else. And I, you know, imagine the dogs mauling him or, a car coming down the driveway and or down this, like we live in a cul-de-sac, but I just imagine like a car coming down the street and him running out on the road. Like I still get those feelings now. Yes. Um, I relate not, so much to that. I've even had yeah. thoughts about sinkholes opening under yeah. my house. <laughs> yeah. And it is like, you're, you're laughing and it does like talking about it afterwards. Yeah. Is, it is like, Oh, I can't believe I was thinking that. But when you're in that void, in the moment, um, it's so yeah. real and a logical thing that could happen. Yeah, it is. And I feel like all of this stemmed from 
that ultrasound technician um, and her negligence. Um, I And then on top of that, you know, all the birth hormones, all of that stuff, I had a really tough time, um, you know, breastfeeding to begin with. So, like, all of that stuff. Um, but I, I really feel like it stemmed from that um, negligence. And it, it was. It was negligence because, you know, we know that stress sometimes can can cause you to miscarry. So I could have had that, you know, happen to me and I could have lost my baby or what if I didn't know any better and how many other people is this doctor telling go and have an abortion with these healthy children? Like it's, it was all of those thoughts that were just like snowballing. That's Um, the horrible one is to think who else has she said this to and has actually gone through with the abortion because they didn't have that support or like you need to ask for those extra tests. And I'm sitting here thinking, what would I have done? But to be honest, I already had the thought of, I would have still gone through the pregnancy because it really annoys me that they've made Down syndrome, for example, to be this horrible thing that could happen. Yeah. And I don't think that's really fair. And I'm sure if there's anyone listening that has a child with Down syndrome, that must be such an upsetting thing. Yeah, and Um, she never asked me what my thoughts were around that. She told me that if I was to continue uh, with the pregnancy, that uh, that it would be a selfish thing to do. Um, So ironic because a selfish thing is actually terminating the pregnancy. (laughs) Between between. You know that that GP and the sonographer. Um, it it just turned a really beautiful, exciting experience for me into something of fear and anxiety and stress and worry. Yes, it just um, planted that little seed yeah. of worry of concern, and it was like a weed that just took off. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of my my background of my own mental health, and you know I am. Um, as I said, I'm still kind of struggling sometimes with that now. Um, but I, you know, I know enough now that I know, okay, these, this isn't, um, this is the, this is the anxiety talking. This isn't real. Um, and you know, I have amazing people around me that I can talk to and they're completely not judgmental at all. Um, do you have a big support network around you or did you, where did you find the most support from going through all of this? So I found the most support. My husband was amazing through absolutely everything. And, uh, yeah, my, my mum was great. I mean, my family live in Port Macquarie, which is, you know, six hours away from me. Um, so it was hard because we weren't uh, close uh, location-wise like geographically, um, I found a lot of support through um, online networks. So the Australian Breastfeeding Project, I made some of my very best friends through there locally. And, okay, we have Booby. Um, so we, yeah, I, I found my very best friends, you know, both locally and, you know, all around the country. Um it's, it's insane when you find, and, you know, I think that people underestimate the power of that online community. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be face-to-face. Um, and that's how we met. We met through the Australian Breastfeeding yeah, Project. Exactly right. And, yeah, some, some of my, you know, I can share things 
with you and the other girls from that group that I wouldn't dare share with people that I know in person. Totally. Um, we, we all even shared our miscarriages or yeah. first pregnancy announcements with each other before even telling yeah. um, like other people. It's, it's amazing Some, the I community. Think, yeah. I think that's, you know, so, some of us know about pregnancies before partners do. <laughs> so yeah, it's sending each other pictures uh, of pregnancy tests and things yeah, like that. <laughs> amongst other things. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It's the power of the online community. You know, I, I, I know that a lot of people kind of um, talk badly about social media and all the negative parts of social media, but I think that when at two o'clock in the morning, when you're having these horrific thoughts and feelings, um, you know, you can reach out to these people and somebody's always going to be there and someone's always going to be feeling the same thing as you're feeling. And that's really comforting. Exactly. And in a world where we don't have that tribe, we're not all together. Everyone's separated in our own houses or, you know, we're all over Australia, for example, at least we have this one simple method to connect with each other. And then when you bring into something so specific or unique as like needing breastfeeding support or needing support for our postnatal anxiety or postpartum depression, um, just a few taps of your fingers on the phone or the computer and you're instantly connected to hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of other yeah. people going through the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's so, um, it just makes you feel like you're not alone. You're not the only one, um, that's going through these things. Um, and that's in itself, that's therapeutic to know that it's not just you. Exactly. It's very humbling sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other tools or resources or, um, websites or anything else that you found uh, really helpful that you could recommend for someone listening that could help change their life in some way? Absolutely. So um, birthtrauma.org.au, uh, it's a peer-to-peer counselling um, phone line. So you're speaking with other women um, that have suffered through things that you might have suffered through. Um, so it's not, um, you know, it, some people feel intimidated by going to see a psychologist or going to see somebody or they've had a bad experience with somebody who doesn't understand. I've seen that a lot. I've heard of psychologists and, and um, counsellors saying to people, well, your baby's alive and happy. Like that's to somebody who's sharing about their birth trauma. It's so um, dismissive. It's so dismissive. So I know that a lot of people that have had that experience um, with uh, like professionals, um, they prefer to talk to, um, you know, another woman who's kind of been through the same thing. So that, that phone line, that whole website has amazing resources. Um, Panda as well. Panda is a really good resource. Um, and yeah, I think just, I think that we're, you know, we're, when we're feeding our babies, we're awake in the middle of the night, we're on social media all the time. So to be surrounding yourself on social media with um, positivity and kind of not getting caught up in that uh, negative trauma bubble um, is really helpful as well. So, you know, to connect with people that 
have been through these things and they're, you know, they've made it out the other side and, and they talk about their journey. That's really therapeutic as well to see that in real life. Definitely. What is something you wish that you could go back and tell yourself during those dark moments? That I wasn't anxious. I was feeling anxious um, or I wasn't angry. I was feeling angry. So really naming the feelings and having that skill then um, would have been really helpful to me because sometimes it becomes all empowering, like you are this feeling. Um, so to be told that or tell myself that I wasn't that feeling, that I was only feeling that feeling and that feelings are fluid and that, you know, in a few minutes or an hour's time, I wouldn't be feeling that anymore and I would be onto something else. Um, so I think that really naming the feelings would have been really helpful for me to kind of engage with and know at that point. Yes, there's a lot of power in acknowledging and just simply naming the feeling and emotion rather than identifying yourself as being that thing because you are not a feeling, you're yes. just experiencing it. Exactly and right. They pass through, they come and go. And, yeah, like you said, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. It's not forever, just sometimes it can feel like it when you're in those moments. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is there any other um, advice or tips? that you can provide with our audience? Um, well, the advice and tips I would give is um, to work towards preventing the birth trauma from happening rather than dealing with it afterwards. So um, really become aware of what your rights are with your options and your choices during your whole pregnancy during your birth and postpartum, um, so many women do not know what their maternal decision rights, decision-making rights are. Um, there's a really good document called the Maternal Choices, um, uh, the, sorry, the Maternal Decision-Making Guidelines uh, for Australia. And it's like 10 guidelines. It's not like really in-depth legal jargon. It's, it's really to the point. Um, and I think it's the first or second point which really resonates with so many of my clients is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically it does not matter if your care provider agrees with your choice. It does not matter if they agree that this is the best decision for you to make they can either support you in that decision or it is their responsibility to find somebody that will. And I think that that is so empowering. Um, you know, I see so much of I'm not allowed. My care provider won't allow me to do this. Um, they've told me that I have to be induced at 40 weeks. Um, all of these things. So it's really important to recognise what your rights are with your decision-making. If you still decide to go ahead what the doctor's recommending, that's fantastic. That's great for you because you've done your own research and you were part of the decision-making process. And I feel that that's where trauma stems from, is not being part of the decision-making process and birth happening to you rather than you giving birth. Um, so, yeah, 
look into childbirth education. I'm a hypnobirthing Australia practitioner, so, you know, I love my program. Otherwise, I wouldn't teach it. Um, but there are lots of programs around, um, even online. I mean, Hypnobirthing Australia has an online course as well if you're remote or you can't get to a class. Um, and these kind of programs really tell you about what your rights are in childbirth and it's evidence-based. It's not like unicorns and fairies and, you know, this hippie stuff. Um, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that either, but it is all backed by evidence. Um, and that's something that I unfortunately can't say that a lot of doctors are providing at this point. Yeah, exactly. I know that I've learned a lot just from following your page and seeing the information that you're sharing. Um, and the biggest thing for me was consent. I just didn't even realize how much I was told things rather than asked. Yeah. We're just going to do a vaginal examination. In what other aspect of your life would it be okay for somebody to put their hand in your vagina without consent? It's that's insane. Yeah, that's, you know, where we go into hospital with this mentality that you're a patient and you're not a patient. And I tell my clients this over and over again because it's such a mindset change. You're going into the hospital as a customer. You're a customer of the hospital. You're not sick majority of the time. You're not a patient. You are a customer. And to just repeat that to yourself daily, um, you know, you're, you're, in, you're the boss. You're the boss of your body. Um, you know, if, you, if you're... If you've got private healthcare and you're paying an obstetrician, you're their employer. You're paying their wages. So you absolutely have a right, um, you know, and really a responsibility to have a say in your birth. Um, There's such a power imbalance. And yeah. I feel like they really use that to their advantage. Yeah, they do. Um, and, you know, there are some really fantastic um, care providers, you know, um, midwives and obstetricians. Um, but with a statistic of one in three women having birth trauma, it, it's when you're working in a system that isn't maternal based, when it's outcomes based so that you're both alive, that's the, that's what they're aiming for. Um, it's never going to work. So you really have to do the work yourself um, and you can't be relying on other people to do that work for you. As much as we'd like to say, you're the professional, you tell me what to do. Um, you just have to look at the intention behind what's being told to you because losing control, losing, you know, not having consent, feeling like birth happened to you, that you weren't an active participant is where birth trauma, in my experience, seeing and speaking to women often about this is where it comes from. It's important to trust that instinctual feeling, like trust your gut. If something isn't feeling right or it's straying too far away from what you are wanting. And I know I had a lot of thoughts of like, surely there is another option. Like this cannot be the yes. only way. So there's um, an acronym that, um, you might have seen or heard about, um, and it's called the BRAIN acronym. So when we're, when we're making decisions, we want to use our brain, okay? So it's benefits, risks, alternatives, intuition, and nothing. So what are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the alternatives? What's your intuition telling you? 
and what if we do nothing? Um, and with all kinds of interventions, those are the questions that you want to be asking. Um, and especially that last one, what if we do nothing? What if we wait another hour? What if we wait another two hours? What if you come back in then? You know, what will happen then is, is anybody in danger? And usually the question, the answer will be, no, it's just taking a little bit too long for our liking. Yes. Um, my motto was always as long as I'm fine and the baby's fine, yes. like don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a great plan. Um, but, you know, you can have really amazing, you know, everybody thinks that um, if you have a cesarean, it's automatically traumatic and that's not true either. Sometimes, you know, cesareans are medically necessary. A lot more are happening than are medical, medically necessary, but some genuinely are medically necessary. Um, the World Health Organization tells us that we should have um, between a 10 and a 15% cesarean rate. And in some hospitals in Australia, that's up to 50% cesarean rate. So that's telling us that something, you know, we're not inept. Like we, we can't, you know, one in two women are not failing at birth. That's not what's happening here. They're being failed. Um, but, you know, I digress. But with the... Um, with the cesarean, you can still have a positive experience with a cesarean. Just a very quick uh, story. I had a mum who had had a previous cesarean who was um, trying uh, to go for a VBAC, so a vaginal birth after cesarean. And she did the Hypnobirthing Australia course. She hired me as her doula. Um, she educated herself so much and she did such an amazing job. She gave herself the absolute best advantage. Um, she went in a public hospital. Fantastic. So, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, she, I mean, she did 18 hours of labour, completely drug-free. She was just honestly a superstar. Um, and her and baby were fine the whole way through. Unfortunately, um, when she did consent to a vaginal examination towards the end, um, baby's position was just not optimal. So, um, you know, you know it, it was a necessary caesarean. And she had her cesarean and she described her cesarean to me as healing, as calm, as empowering, um, all these words that she was using to describe her second cesarean birth. And it just really cemented to me, if you're part of the decision-making process, then you can have a positive experience no matter what way your birth goes. Um, so That's amazing. Thank you for yeah. sharing that story. What a wonderful way to feel about your birth experience. I'm sure anyone listening and us like that, those are exactly the feelings or the way you want to reflect on your birth experience, yeah. feeling calm, empowered. That's healed. so wonderful. Healed. Yeah. Yep. Healed, so important. You know, to have, to have another cesarean, after she, she obviously she was going for a VBAC, so she really didn't want another cesarean, ending up with a cesarean and still feeling healed from her previous experience because she had no power in her first experience. She had no power. She had no, um, she had no input in her own health and, you know, her own birth. So to have that completely, to have the same outcome, but have a completely different experience is really telling of what, you know, being empowered to make those, those decisions, um, what that does, the power that that has. 
Thank you so much for talking with me today on the Gentle Counselor podcast, Jamie. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us to do with your business? Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for all of the content that you provide. It's been so helpful. Um, even when I'm talking to my clients, you know, your, your socials are, um, you know, on the top of my list of, of things for them to follow and, and have a look at, because I think that it's so important to get on top of these things before, you know, prevention's better than cure. Um, to do with my business. So yeah, as I said, I'm a, a birth and postnatal doula. Um, I'm also a Hypnobirthing Australia practitioner. So I have um, group courses and I also run private courses as well. I'm located in Western Sydney. Um, I also, as I said before, I have an online version. So just get in contact with me if you're interested in any of those options. Um, you know, I, I do um, kind of bundles with my doula work and my childbirth education. So I feel they're really important. They really kind of mesh well together um, when it comes to decision-making and all that evidence-based care. Um, so, yeah, if you mention that you've heard me on Crystal's podcast, I might give you a sneaky discount. <laughs> Amazing. That's so great that you offer both services. I'm actually disappointed that I'm not where you are. Maybe I'll just have to fly you up if I have another baby again. <laughs> yeah, do that. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll come to the Gold Coast. <laughs> I guess I could do that. <laughs> so if you want to get more information or goodness from Jamie, make sure you go and follow her on her social media at This Is What I Doula. You can also find her website, This Is What I That's it for today's episode. Make sure that you go and sign up to my monthly email because you get tips and freebies such as intention setting, mindfulness practice. Um, there's some beautiful inspirational screensavers that you can download to use on your phone or your computer screen. Of course, there will be these podcast episodes that, to make sure that you don't miss anything, including special guests like the wonderful Jamie Hawkins from This Is What I Doula that we had today as well as any exclusive pre-launch offers or discounts and more. Before you go, I would really love if you could please leave a review to help this podcast be shown for those who really need it. Share it everywhere and make sure to tag me at The Gentle Counselor and use the hashtag Gentle Counseling. <laughs>